back, baby. Episode 15 of the Bentley Show. I am your host, Scout Bentley. You guessed it. Uh, heck, of a, heck of a last couple of days, heck of a beginning to this week. We're at hump day, the halfway mark. Um, the Tigers have played two games since we last spoke, so we'll go over that. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of positional battles, a lot of stuff going on in Tigers camp. Plenty of content for us. Plenty, 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 plenty. Um, I, I have to try and cut myself short because there's so much content. I could talk about that team for an hour with just two spring training games. Um, then we're honestly, that being said, we're probably going to bleed into our usual Pistons time a little bit. Um, usually I try to do 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Uh, but with the Pistons not having played a game in the last two days and no trade talks at all, um, there is still, we're going to talk about DeLon Wright because that, uh, there's an article written about the debate between whether he should be a part of the long-term future or whether he should be moved at the deadline. So we do have Pistons news to talk about, but on a broad scale, I'm probably going to bleed into our usual Pistons time a little bit talking about the Tigers. Uh, and then we will get into the Pistons and talk about DeLon Wright and the Raptors game. Then the Detroit Red Wings uh, dropped a game to the Blue Jackets. We're going to talk about that and Luke Lendenning specifically. And again, as always, if you want more in-depth Red Wings analysis, go to Locked On Red Wings. I am a co-host there with Nolan Bianchi and Ethan Smith. It's an amazing show with amazing people. And then we're going to end it with the Lions. Uh, I've been trying to scrape together Lions content for a while because we're at that dead part in the offseason. But... Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have given us some content, some juicy content, some uh, some quotes, some comments to the media and to the public. So we got plenty today. No shortage of content all around today. This is the Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Let's get right into her, huh? Let's see. The Detroit Tigers have played two games since we last spoke. We dropped one to the New York Yankees, five to four in a seven inning game. And then we dropped an, or we won rather uh, a game against the Pittsburgh pirates six to one game in which Casey Mize started and Spencer Torkelson hit. So that one was uh, pretty electric. That one was only a five inning game though. So we're going to do chronological. I feel like that's fair. Also look at my drip today. Hartford yard goats t-shirt Hartford yard goats. Uh, minor league team, the double A affiliate for the Colorado Rockies, beautiful stadium, electric factory. Uh, if you can go when COVID's not a thing, uh, I highly recommend it. I, I just love baseball. So I've been to a lot of minor league parks and stuff, but Hartford, the Hartford yard goats, baby. You'll be pressed to find too many better logos and color schemes. Also the Rockies are dope, you know, just all around great. Okay. Tigers though. We're going to go chronologically. I feel like that's probably a, a good idea, right? Uh, so the New York Yankees, we played on Monday. Uh, all around, offensively, uh, it was it was pretty solid. Nico went two for two, which is big for that, that shortstop. Um, what most people thought was a shortstop battle going into camp, but it kind of looks more and more every day like it doesn't really matter how good Nico does because if Willie's hitting, he's probably just going to get the job, which I'm fine with. We'll talk about that later. Um, so Nico two for two Riley green was the man 
So his second at-bat, he, he takes an inside fastball, gets his hands in on it, drives it the other way for a nice little soft line drive single. Um, beautiful at-bat, beautiful piece of hitting. Looked like a pro, man. He, he really did. It was very impressive. But I have never – if for, for about 24 hours, it was the most exciting walk of my life was his first at-bat. And then, and then, yeah, the Pirates game happened, and, and a different walk took took precedent. But for about twenty four hours, um, the uh, that that drawn walk he had off Garrett Cole was the most excited I've ever been for a walk in my life. I think it was unbelievable. Garrett Cole on the bump, Riley Green at the dish, one two count, works the count back to full. Fouls a ball off, draws a walk. I've never been more excited for a walk in my life for 24 hours. And then his teammate had to ruin it and steal his thunder. But incredible, incredible plate presence. Looked incredible on the day, obviously. One for one, that single, the walk. One, two count against Garrett Cole draws a walk, man. Electric, electric. Um, the, the biggest thing coming out of camp is everyone is absolutely blown away by, by Riley Green. That's been – people won't stop talking about it. You can tell it's not even like a, oh, like media is asking me about it. I'm the manager or I'm the whatever coach. I kind of have to talk highly of him because I'm his coach. No, like they are questions. It would be like, hey, man, what would you have for lunch today? He's like, bro, have you guys seen Riley Green? Like it's like wild <laughs> how often he's being talked about. Um so that is obviously incredible to see, incredible to hear. And uh, he's in with the mindset of, I'm trying to make the team out of camp. I don't care about no service time, no nothing. I'm trying to make this team out of camp. And while he won't, that's still absolutely that, – that's so nice to hear. So nice to hear the, the ceiling. That's a future MVP. We're seeing a future MVP before he's even a major leaguer. Beautiful. Um, Jake Rogers goes 0 for 3 with 3 Ks. Uh, the backup catcher position, we've talked about how big of a battle that is in camp. Uh, but we have also talked about how Jake Rogers can't hit anything. So that's fun. Speaking of people who can't hit anything, Derek Hill also went 0 for 2. Uh, it's crazy to me that he was drafted like seven years ago now. Seven he was. I remember the hype around him, man. They tried to convince us he was the center fielder of the future. He was going to be some god. They're like, hey, man, if he's even an average hitter, he's going to be like one of the best center fielders in baseball just because of how good he is defensively. Well, he's not even an average hitter at single A. So, and he's 25 now. It's been seven years. And he's so good defensively, which is what, which is what makes it so frustrating, man. Like, I can remember – He's so bad offensively. I, I remember in 2016, fall of 2016, my freshman year of college, telling my roommate that I had given up on him because of how bad he is at the plate. It has been five years from me having that conversation with my college roommate. And where he's still here and still not even a triple A level hitter. He's barely hitting his weight in double A. If he can just be a below average hitter at the major league level. If his OPS can even be in the 700s. You're talking about an insane major league player. Because of that's, liter that's, that's 
it's hard to grasp how good he is defensively. If he's even a 700, somewhere in the 700s OPS hitter, you're talking about a a very, very good major league player because of how good he is in the base paths and how good of a defender he is in center field. But he is nowhere even close to being that, which is so sad. And the Tigers, because of how good he is defensively, will still – Keep him in the organization and keep giving him chances until he, you know, runs out of options or, or just calls it quits. Um, so that's that's the Derek Hill story. That's the story of his career, as well as Jake Rogers. It's sounding oddly familiar. Um, Dylan Dingler had a nice hit. Zach Short is a, is a pretty big surprise in camp. Uh, he was traded for Cameron Maben. We got him for Cameron Maben at the deadline last year. Um this look, we we knew he was he was solid defensively in the sense that we knew he could play several different positions. We knew he was a good second, short, and third baseman. But I don't think we realized that he was like a massive plus defender at all three. Um, we thought, okay, this is this guy's could be a, a utility player, a solid backup infielder that can play a bunch of different positions. He's not a very great hitter, but he draws some walks. Why not? You know what I mean? Why not take a chance on him? Maybe you know, fine trade value wise. Um, but people keep raving about how good of a defender he really is. It's not just like, a, oh, he can play all three of those positions, second, short and third. He can play all of them at a high level, at a very high level. People will not stop talking about how much uh, he is impressing defensively. So that's awesome to see. Uh, Jamer 0 for 3 doesn't really matter. He's making the team out of camp. Um, and it's early. Robbie Grossman 1 for 3. Okay, so then the pitching. Funkhauser starts. He looks like Kyle Funkhauser. Not not very great. One inning, two walks, one strikeout. Fine, whatever. No runs given up. Sure. It, I'm pretty much over believing that Kyle Funkhauser will really be anything in this organization. Uh, one of, Okay, so a lot of big pitching stories this game, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Gregory Soto is the first one. We all need to calm down. It's his first appearance, and it's one appearance in spring. Okay, he did not look good. Command has always been a problem. So yes, it's obviously it's looking like that is still going to be something that he has to work on, and he needs to continue developing. The stuff is there. For his first appearance in spring, that's all I really care about. The stuff is there. He still needs to work on the slider a little bit. Yes, it's his go-to secondary pitch. He needs to make it more of a plus pitch. But he was throwing that that 98-mile-an-hour sinker in his first appearance. It'll get back up to a hundo by, uh, by re- the regular season. The really big thing is just he needs to work on his command. I think if he can even have an average slider – just to keep people a little honest and have even average command so that he's not just hurling it and kind of knows in the general area of where the pitch is going to end up. We're talking about a guy who could be one of the best relievers in baseball. I think that's his ceiling. Obviously, everybody knows my my affinity for him. I, I love him to death. So, one appearance, his first appearance, hasn't pitched in a while. It's okay. Um, but the command is definitely something to keep an eye on because that was his issue last year. So we'll keep an eye on that, but I don't, people need, people love to overreact at spring. I love spring training more than the next guy. Um, I I think those positional battles are, are electric and I love watching it and I just love baseball, but we need to take a breather and not think that, you know, 
Uh, actually, it's a good transition into the next one. Bo Burrows is the next pitcher. Uh, I saw people – he had a perfect inning and a third, and there were people on Twitter saying that they expect him to be in the bullpen or, or that he – you know, there, there's a couple of bullpen pieces available and that he's going to take one of them. Okay, let's let's take a deep breath here. Not saying that's impossible. Not saying it, it, it's super unlikely. However – uh, he's not one of the guaranteed bullpen arms to make it out of camp. He's not one of the Soto, Farmer, Jimenez, etc. And he was topping out at like 92 miles an hour. Okay. And that's with a new delivery. He had a very new delivery today that was very noticeable. If you've ever watched Bo Burrows pitch before, you, his first pitch, you were like, okay, that's not Bo Burrows. <laughs> um, he, he's cocking back way more. He's really loading up. If you're watching me on YouTube. You can see how ridiculous I look right now trying to reenact it. Um, so just different delivery and it, and it worked. Um, you know, like I said, a perfect inning in a third, but a perfect inning in a third against all the Yankees backups does not mean that you're, you're, a, and it, you know, only one strikeout, he only threw 12 pitches. It was still a lot of hard contact given up. This is by no means like, oh my gosh, he just won the job because he, he had one perfect inning. Like, we got to calm down a little bit. I know we're baseball's back and whatever. I'm not trying to kill anyone's excitement. But you can be excited and not think anybody who pitched. Like, this is just, okay, now tomorrow when somebody pitches a scoreless inning, oh, it's now it's them instead of Bo, and then he's going to do it again. and that, You know what I mean? Like, let, let's get a sample size first. We haven't even seen half the bullpen arms yet. You know what I mean? Like, let, let's get a little bit of a sample first. Um, he also still has a ton of work to do. He His breaking stuff is, at least was, terrible in the past. Um, and he doesn't throw a fastball hard enough to compensate for having no breaking stuff. So, that's been his problem in the past. Um, and, again, it's spring. He gets to experiment. He gets to see. Maybe he's improved. Maybe uh, maybe he will be in the bullpen. I'm not saying it's impossible or even unlikely, but we got to calm down with every time somebody does anything good that immediately they're getting a roster spot. All right? We're four days into spring training. Got a month left. Uh, Zach Hess was another one. Uh, Zach Hess, this one's hilarious personally because I t literally tweeted when he came into the game, I think Zach Hess has a lot of potential and could be a really good bullpen arm for this team for a long time. And then he proceeded to load the bases and give up a grand slam. So that was a, a little funny for me. I doubled down on it after he gave up the grand slam, and I said, believe it or not, I still think this. It was kind of a funny moment. But his thing is is definitely command. He was he did not know where it was going. He threw the ball over somebody's head, hit somebody. I mean, it was it was it was tough, man. It was really tough. The the command issues that he was facing against that Yankees lineup and and yeah it was it was not uh definitely not how we drew it up I would imagine going into the game then the last one's Jason Foley this was maybe the story of the game Rodley Green probably the story of the game Jason Foley though um he former Tommy John recipient former starting pitcher uh depth piece for the Tigers came in had an eight-pitch perfect inning uh, and was throwing absolute gas. 98, 99, 100, 99, 98, 99. Just absolute heaters. 
Why not? This is why we can't overreact to Bo Burrows at 91 miles an hour having a perfect inning because then we get guys who throw a perfect inning and throw 100 two innings later. You get my point? All right, cool. So Foley's someone to keep an eye on. According to Cody Stavenhagen, I said this last episode, he thinks there are two bullpen spots that are open and up for grabs that people can win this spring. So there's a lot to look at. We talked about Lang last time. Foley's obviously throwing his name in the ring. Burroughs is admittedly throwing his name in that ring. Funkhauser as well. A lot of people trying to trying to make the team out of camp, obviously. So that's a fun positional battle to watch. That's what makes spring so fun is that even though the score doesn't matter, all the individual performances matter. So that's, that's super cool. That'll do it for the Yankees-Tigers game. We dropped that one 5-4. to four. Please do not care about scores in spring training. I am begging you. I promise the players don't matter, like care and the managers don't matter, and no one cares, okay? Just focus on individual performances. Okay, then the Pirates. This was only a five-inning game highlighted by two people. Um, Casey Mize started. Casey Mize started. Oh, man. Casey Mize started. Did he ever? <laughs> um, two innings of no-hit ball had three walks however and three strikeouts on 45 pitches um the command was very spotty the command was very spotty that was kind of his problem last year too he, he's had some command problems he's definitely not known for the command right um that's been one of the big issues uh again i i don't i don't like saying issues because i think it implies that like People think I think he's a bust or something or that he has, like, major problems, which he absolutely does not. Like, he's going to be great, and he's going to be great for a long time. But at this current moment, he has some command issues that he needs to iron out. And that was on display. And the stuff was electric. He had three strikeouts in two innings. But even those uh, were kind of deeper in counts. He, he Especially in the second inning, he went deep into counts with several people in a row, a lot of full counts. I mean, 45 pitches in two innings is not sustainable. As exciting, as, as good as his stuff looked, and it looked incredible. The splitter looked unreal. The fastball looked good. The breaking ball looked good. Movement-wise, stuff-wise, he looked incredible. But with the command like that, I mean, he's going to be pulled after the fourth inning. Right, I mean, if we're at 45 pitches through two, you know what I mean? Like that, that's something he's going to work on. Now, again, I'm going to say the same thing that I've said about everybody. It's one start, it's his first start, and it's spring. Okay, he is okay, everything's okay, it's going to be fine. Just he clearly still has some development pieces that he needs to work on when it comes to uh, his command. That's just the biggest thing he's got to keep working on. And when that comes, watch out, MLB. Brian Garcia got a look, which is nice. Uh, Brian Garcia, obviously, one of the, the surprising bright spots of last year. Um, okay, here is what I will say. Um, I need Brian Garcia to strike people out. I, And this is a personal philosophy. If, if you don't agree with this, I, I do not blame you. I don't think... It's sustainable for a major league reliever in this current modern era, especially like a one-inning reliever, not a long reliever, like a, a one-inning reliever 
in the modern era of baseball to be successful with striking people out as little as he does. He went one inning, gave up one hit, had one walk, gave up no runs, no strikeouts. His K per nine last year was was incredibly low, which for, again, like for uh, for how it's just he's so opposite. He's so opposite of how how most relievers are formed today. He, he doesn't throw absolute heat and he doesn't strike people out. I don't care if he, the velocity never goes up, but I, I need you to throw strikeouts. The, the soft contact thing. I'm, t- I'm I, Rick Anderson was my pitching coach for three years. I'm tired of it. I, I, I'm, I don't want the pitch to contact philosophy anymore. Please strike people out and I will have more faith in you. Uh, but he's still relatively young. He did have a good year last year. We'll see what happens with him. Just an interesting observation uh, and something to look at going forward. Um, then the other, uh, Willie Castro did um, have a really good game again. Two for two with three RBIs as well as a home run. That gives him two home runs and uh, in two games played up to this point. As you're listening to this, you will already have been uh, you will already have listened to uh, the Phillies game on Wednesday. Um, so he, he may be homers again. But uh, at the same time, he also, I'm recording during the game, so I know for a fact that he has two errors in three games as well. That's what it's going to come down to with him. Uh, I, the bat has to maintain the level that it was last year. Um, not that high. That's a ridiculous expectation. But the, he has to continue to hit well. Um, as well as prove that he can even be an average defender because his defensive stats are are not good. So that's what it's going to come down to. I, Lord knows, anytime he breathes, I get ninety five notifications because people have I don't know. For I just want to say this: I, we can have the whole Willie Castro argument on another day. Um, I've already talked about it at length before. I got there's this notion that I like hate the dude or want him to suck like no I just because in my evaluation of a player I don't think he's as good as everybody else thinks he is doesn't mean I want him to be that I love this team way too much for that to be true I would rather I was wrong 10 times out of 10 and the team ended up being incredible and Willie Castro ended up being amazing than than the other way around that that's a ridiculous thing I I love the Tigers way too much for that to even be remotely true. The thing is just going to come down to defense. And I, I don't want people to think that he's, I don't want people to think that we shouldn't sign a shortstop next winter, I guess is the biggest reason why I'm so passionate about it. Um, if, if we didn't have an insane short class, shortstop class coming up in this upcoming off season, I might be um, more, I don't know about open, but more like reluctant to kind of fire back at people that um, think that Willie Castro is is the long-term shortstop solution. But I think it's absolutely insane and ridiculous to think that we should just keep Willie Castro and we don't need to sign a shortstop next offseason. Give him all the at-bats this year. Sure, let's see what we have in him. He's played 60 MLB games. We don't even really know what kind of offensive player we have yet. That's fine. Give them all the shortstop ABs this year. We literally don't have one in our organization, so fine. Um, but I don't want 
any amount of offensive success he has to deter people from the fact that um, we absolutely need to sign a shortstop in this upcoming free agency. That's all. Uh, if we can play another position on an average level and keep hitting, I'm all in support of it. I want him to get his at-bats. I want to see what kind of player he has, and I hope that he turns into what, you know, the high ceiling that some people um, have for him out there. But um, I, I just really don't want people to think, oh, Willie Castro had a good offensive year. We don't. We shouldn't spend money on a shortstop. That is absolutely ridiculous and will never be true, no matter how good of an offensive season he has this year. That's all. That's all. Not that I'm not saying he's not part of the long-term plan, just that he's not the long-term plan at shortstop specifically. That's literally all. Okay. We could do a whole hour about people giving me crap for Willie Castro. On it. Like I said, whenever he does anything, whenever he eats a nacho, I get 95 notifications between my DMs and Twitter and Twitter mentions. So, the only other thing this game is highlighted by Spencer Torkelson made his professional debut with the Detroit Tigers. Beautiful. Old English D on TV. Took a professional at-bat. I don't care if it's spring. He took a professional at-bat for the Detroit Tigers, and he drew a walk. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm sorry to Riley Green. You got you got the title of most excited I've ever been for a walk for 24 hours, and then Torkelson had to rip it from you. Um. The pitcher was all over the place and just throwing fastballs. He had no idea where it was going. It really wasn't some incredible at-bat. He swung through two, like, 92-mile-an-hour fastballs right down the middle, actually. So, like, really not not like some incredible at-bat. But he drew a walk. That's all that matters. Um, and Hinch said he expects Torkelson to get a lot more playing time as spring goes forward. So, expect him to be out there. Um, probably going to see time at first and third. I'd imagine uh, a little more at third being his current development pattern, but I still think he's a first baseman down the road, but that's a story for a different day. All right. That will do it for the Detroit Tigers. They're back, baby. They're so back. I'm so pumped. Uh, Phillies game Wednesday, not televised. And I think we're back on TV, uh, for the remainder of the week. Turnbull day Thursday, baby. Top 20 pitcher in baseball campaign starts tomorrow. I cannot wait to just be so annoying when he's good. Oh, my gosh. The timeline is not ready for it. All right. Let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. Like I said, I told you we were going to bleed in a little bit into Pistons time because of how little Pistons news there is currently. But one of the big articles that was written about the Detroit basketball Pistons was DeLon Wright and what to do with him. He's had a very nice career resurgence, um, a very nice season for your Detroit Pistons. And one of the big things is uh, the debate between do we trade him or is he a part of the long-term solution? Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm of the boat of you have to trade him. I think you have to. So let's look at this from a like puzzle pieces standpoint, okay? You bring in Dennis Smith Jr. You draft Killian Hayes. Those are, in theory, that's your point guard room going forward for at least the next like two seasons probably, right? 
Killian Hayes at a minimum for the for your next two seasons. DeLon Wright, Killian Hayes 19, Dennis Smith Jr. in his early 20s. DeLon Wright is 28 this year, will be 29 next year, and is and is just now having kind of the, the career spike in productivity. Which is great. It's great that we continue to do that with people. We've been doing it for two or three years now. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, the thing is, I just don't see where he fits into a long-term piece with this team. You extend him for a couple of years. He plays until his early 30s. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't want a point guard room of three people that all want 15 minutes a night or all need whatever 15 minutes a night or all getting 15 minutes a night. Let's just take, you know, ego or personal thing out of it. I I don't, I don't want everybody to just get 15 minutes. I need, I need like a starter. I need Killian or Dennis Smith Jr. or somebody to be getting, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a night. So I don't really think it makes a lot of sense to move him. Also, kind of tying this to the Tigers, like, remember when Matt Boyd had a great first half of 2019 and Alavila thought he could get Glaber Torres for him and the Yankees laughed in his face and spit on him and then he didn't trade Matt Boyd for anything because he thought that he was worth a future all-star and... Uh, so he traded him for nothing and said, fine, I'm keeping him. I'm keeping this, this future all-star on my team. And then he turned to garbage right after and has been garbage ever since. Um, that's, I'm not saying DeLon Wright's going to regress and go back to trash, but you have to trade people at their highest value. And I don't see as him being 28 years old, I don't see his value getting higher as he gets older. I don't think that makes any sense. For a rebuilding team, I don't think someone going on their age 29 season in a point guard room where we already drafted a point guard, <coughs> I don't think that really makes sense. Now, I'd, if someone is very strongly in the other opinion, I'm more than welcome to hear, hear somebody out. I just, I really don't see how it makes any sense him to be a long-term part of this team it was a great pickup it was a great find he's been very productive and and there is value in finding people that are able to be traded that's kind of the whole point for a lot of rebuilding teams right but I don't really see how he fits in long term had a great year don't see it um that'll be something to keep an eye on same with Wayne Ellington and then obviously Blake Griffin continues to be on the team but not playing. So that is the DeLon Wright scenario, the DeLon Wright situation, I guess, if you will. Uh, we will be back on the court, I believe, tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. We play the Tampa, Tampa, the Toronto Raptors. Can I speak? The Toronto Raptors. There we go. Um, and they are without, like, everybody. They're without, like, literally a third of their team. So, uh, we should win. However, we only beat, like, really good teams. 
So at the same time, like maybe the maybe the the plan, maybe the strategy for playing the uh, the Pistons is just like be as bad as possible. Think that that's a thing? I don't know, man. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe. All right, so that's Delon Wright. That's the Delon Wright situation. We will have a game to break down, hopefully, for Friday's show. Uh, so again, sorry that this is cut a little short, but the talk of the town was Delon Wright, and there was no games to recap. So that's what we got. Uh, again, cool find, great piece, great piece to flip. Don't really think it makes a lot of sense. And like I said, I can go more in depth. If I see a good argument to why we should keep him long-term, I, I can go more in-depth on, on this debate and kind of volleyball back and forth. But um, for now, I, I just really don't see how it makes sense to hold on to him long-term. So trading him, nobody's safe from from Troy Reaper. <laughs> that graphic's so funny. I think that was FB Nation did that. Graphic's so funny. All right, let's move on to the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. Again, I will start this off as I start off every segment with the Red Wings now. If you want a more in-depth uh, breakdown of your Detroit Red Wings, please go and listen to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. I am a co-host there. There, Dude, I really can't talk. I'm so sorry. I am a co-host there with Nolan Bianchi and Ethan Smith. Great guys. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Uh, I promise we are the most enjoyable podcast uh, covering a horrible team. Um, besides maybe this one. I don't know. The, both of them are great. Um, and yeah, just if you want a more in-depth, only Red Wings talk, uh, just going down. If it's every day, it's locked on. It's great. Chris Castellani does locked on Tigers. We've got a little... little uh, little network growing there so it's super fun and like i said if you want more in-depth more than just 15 minutes of me recapping stuff um and, and analyzing stuff uh if you want more of a 30 minute to 40 minute only red wings show go check out locked on red wings um so the wings uh have only played one game since the last time we spoke and that was against the columbus blue jackets we dropped this one four to one. Uh, I just want to say, four. To, it's a miracle. It is a Christmas freaking miracle that we only lost four to one. I'm dead serious. We got absolutely obliterated. That was we got out. That didn't even look like we were playing the same sport in the second period. Like that that literally looked like it was like a it was like a, a, a college team going up against an NHL team. I mean that was that was like like bad. <laughs> like really bad. Um so why was it bad? Well, because this team's bad. Okay, there's your analysis. Uh, segment over. So we drop it four to one. The defense was was horrible. Um, however, the defense is bad because the defense is bad, but it doesn't help 
when you're also turning the puck over in your zone 97 times a period. How can you expect to win any games when lit you turn the puck over in your own zone every possession? How are you expecting to win anything? Holy cow, man. It's so bad. And Bernier had an off night. He's human. It finally happened. Whatever. But, like, I would probably have some off nights, too. If if not only I had to play behind a horrible defense, but on top of that, they were just giving the other team the puck in their own zone like three times a period. Oh, my gosh. It's so frustrating. And there's like, there's nothing, like, I don't even know. Blaschel's not, not going to do anything to fix it. Like, I don't even know what to do. Like, it's just, we, we're not good. Like, that's all there is to it. Gosh, man. It's so frustrating. Like, I understand we suck. I understand the talent level is just not there, and, we, and we're a ways away from being uh, a, good, a good hockey team again. But there are some stuff, there's some things to where you can just like, like, you don't have to be stupid. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't, you don't have to be dumb. Oh my gosh. It's one thing to be smart and bad and competitive and bad just because your talent's not there. It's another thing to just hand wins away because you're that terrible. So frustrating. I cannot wait for the day Blash was fired. Ticking time bomb. All right. The biggest story of the Red Wings, honestly, season so far, um, but also last night's game was Luke Glendening, man. The dude's trade value is skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. What do you want for Luke Glendening? You want a second rounder? Really? You only going to give me a second rounder? The dude's leading the NHL in face-off win percentage. He's on a ridiculous pace. That might put him in the conversation for greatest face-off win percentage in the history of hockey. And last night, oh, he's a third or fourth liner. He only faces off against third and fourth. He had 25 face-offs last night and won 20 of them. That's an 80% piece on a casual Tuesday night. He's going up against their best face-off circle people every single night. And not only that, he's going up against them damn near thirty times. It's not like it's not like he has a he has a sixty seven percent face off win percentage, and it's like oh he has that percentage, but he only has had like he's only getting like three face offs a night. No, he is literally getting damn near thirty a night, and he's raising his league leading sixty five percent face off win percentage. He's raising it. It was 65 a couple of weeks ago. It's getting up to 67. He had an 80% piece last night, 20 for 25. 
just unbelievable. We should all be diehard Luke Len Denning fans until the trade deadline. We want him to win every faceoff. And we want him to score all the goals. Because the value of being able to flip him to a contender that can put him on their third or fourth line even. But anytime there's a faceoff in the defensive zone to be able to have the best faceoff percentage guy who's putting together one of the best faceoff win percentages in the history of hockey. To go win a faceoff in your defensive zone is, is, you can't even really put into words how valuable that is. Faceoffs in the defensive zone are so huge. And being able to take them, even, even, hear me out, even like a second line power play guy. Just throw them out there. If, if there's a dead puck on a power play, throw them out there. Have them, have them win the, win the faceoff. Penalty kill as well. Have them win the faceoff, dump it, get them off the ice. I don't care. It's just way too valuable to, to not to not get anything for. And I trust Steve, so like I I'm not worried about that. Like um I'm not I'm not worried about uh him not getting a good return. I, I think, you know, it's not like Alavila. I, I have very much all I have all the faith in the world in Steve. I'm just saying. Keep raising that trade value, baby. Keep raising that trade value, Luke. We love you to death. Uh, it's not an expiring contract, too, which means money-wise, it won't be so hard for a team to, you know, find a spot for him. And maybe we can trade him and he can just come right back next year. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. That, that, that kind of stuff rarely comes to fruition. But just a, a, an incredible season he's putting together. Um, and if – Look at the advanced analytics. Just look at the base analytics. He is unbelievable in the face-off circle. Um, and the more goals he scores and the more points he gets, really, just the more valuable he is um, going to become at the deadline. And he very quickly could uh, raise up. The Athletic did a piece um, where they were ranking like hottest trade chips uh, at the deadline. And obviously Eichel and stuff is at the top, but um, Glenn Denning was like around like 12 or 13, I want to say. And, you know, as we get closer and closer to that, that deadline, he could he could rehire and hire. If he could get in like the top seven conversation of that list, we could be looking at a, a really actually decent return for half a year of Luke Glenn Denning, which is awesome. Awesome would make me so happy. Um the only thing, the only other really talking point about last night was the reverse retros, which were horrible. Uh, I locked on wings. We did a whole segment about, uh, Nolan and I did a whole segment about what we would do with them instead of wearing them, like what they should be used for. Uh, so that's a funny thing. You can go check that out. Um, so that was uh, the, the absolute ridiculously horrible game that was um, – the Columbus Blue Jackets versus Detroit Red Wings game on uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, just an, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to talk about game-wise. Um, we did, like, Fabry got drilled. Uh, we did have um, a lot of people still hurt. Tuesday, 
and Larkin both out again. Uh, Falugla, uh, yeah, just not, not a, not a fun evening, and we got obliterated. And honestly, it's a miracle that it was even four to one. Very much not a uh, a great, <laughs> a great game for the boys. Tomorrow we play the Hurricanes. So that will be uh, likely a loss <laughs> as well. But uh, hockey's hockey, and hockey's finally back, and that's awesome. So Red Wings, Hurricanes, Thursday night. We'll talk about that on Friday and keep discussing how incredible <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Luke Glendening is. All right, let's get on to the Detroit football Lions. Uh, this one was like I said. The uh, it was very much a um, very much. How do I say this? It was very much difficult. It was it was rather difficult for me to find. Not difficult. Yeah, it's pretty easy. But I was kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for content for the Lions the last week or so. We're at a dead point in the off season. Then Dan Campbell comes out and Brad Holmes and and give a couple of, of great interviews. Um and now I'm I'm set. I'm absolutely set. It'll be easy as pie to fill the next 15 minutes with Lions conversational pieces. Thank you Dan Campbell for being just the the alpha <laughs> as you call it that you are. So, uh, for starters, uh, with a big comment that everyone made fun of because everyone makes fun of any, everything the dude says, um, is that he, uh, he said a real alpha knows when to back down in, in reference to talking about, uh, him and Dan Holmes and roster construction and all that. And basically saying, Brad Holmes is the GM. Whatever team he gives me, that's who I'm going to use. I'll have my input when needed, but he's the man. Okay, which it's funny, but like, like I don't really care, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, people love to just laugh and and again just give him shit for everything, which which is whatever. But um, like I, I don't care. Like, sure, I, you're right. Uh, that's probably how you should look at it. So, congrats, I guess. Um. The other comments he made, uh, he talked about some of the biggest holes uh, with the team. He mentioned a lot of holes defensively, which are, um, how do we say, very obvious. Um, so, uh, that, yeah, blatantly obvious that, that we need defensive help. But the other thing he said was, uh, in this one, if you know anything about how the roster is constructed, is is fairly obvious too. But I'm happy to hear him say it was wide receiver. This is a team that after next season has zero wide receivers under contract, literally zero. So that's fun. Um, that will be now whether they address that in free agency or whether that means um, that Galladay is definitely going to get tagged. Which at this point I would kind of be shocked if he wasn't. I think that's just what they're going to do. Um, but even that's, you know, tagging is only a one-year thing. So we have, we have a lot to go over then with the draft, right? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities that can arise from the draft now being that, um, 
this is a a we're in a weird spot at seven man we're in a weird spot we have a quarterback but he's not a long-term quarterback we'd also there's a chance we're getting now some mocks have us getting like the fourth or even fifth quarterback on the board at seven overall and there's just a quarterback frenzy going on um but then there's some mocks that say we get the fifth quarterback at seven but it's still justin fields i don't know what's happening bro the the, the amount of mocks it's early. We still got like a month and a half until the draft. So I'm trying not to trip too much about it. But like, holy cow, man. Some of these mocks are, are wildin'. Um, So that being said, we definitely, whether we take a wide receiver at seven or we go somewhere else at the top and then you can always take wide receivers deep. You know, the wide receivers are, are plentiful. You can take them late. Um, so whether we just kind of do that thing and take take one later in the draft, I don't know. But I do know that it's beautiful to have some transparency. Transparency. Holy cow, I cannot speak. What is happening? It's nice to have some transparency in this front office. This is so – the Lions are the stingiest of the stingy. The Detroit Lions refused uh, – for those who follow Matt Derry on Twitter, who's the host of Locked On Lions, um, he is, is very vocal about how stingy the Lions are. The Lions don't let anyone say anything, like, negative about them and, and don't let anyone, like, have even, like, credentials to know any information. The Lions are so, uh, not only are they so like, like we're not giving anyone permission to have any access to anything, but on top of that, the Lions uh, don't want you to say anything bad about them. They, they don't want any negative anything. We're just going to close our eyes and pretend that everything is okay. That's the Lions uh, marketing philosophy. And, I just think it's ridiculous to be the Detroit Lions, one of the biggest joke franchises in all of sports from outsiders' perspectives. Can I talk, man? I'm I'm legit, like, scared. Like, what is happening to me? From an outsider's perspective, um, I'm not going to cut out any of those, like, in-between things. Usually I cut out, like, like, damn it, I can't talk. Usually I cut those out. I think I'm going to leave them all in this time. Um... So, from an outsider's perspective, um, it's very, uh, it's very, we're very much the Lions. <laughs> we're very much one of the biggest jokes there is. And I think it's ridiculous that we're just supposed to pretend like this is some high-class elite organization and we're just going to close our eyes and go, la, 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 and pretend that everything's okay. And that's what the Lions have wanted to do for years, or my whole life, basically. They've been so stingy. They're, they're the most difficult front office to work with from a, from a press and a media standpoint. It's just, they are, they are just so stingy when it comes to that. And now, we have a head coach who's just, you know, Matt Patricia was the king of, oh, we got a lot to work on, but we like what we have. We got a lot to work on, but we like what we have. 
We have a head coach who's looking everybody in the eye and going, yeah, we suck at that position. Let's figure out how to fix it. That is so refreshing. It's so refreshing. Again, I know we still have uh, uh, seven months till we see if Dan Campbell X's and O's wise is going to work as a head coach. I know. But at a bare minimum, he is passing all the leadership tests, all the, all the leadership experiments, all the leadership qualifications, whatever you want to say, he is passing with flying colors. I don't care that he, you know, the dude thing, I, I don't care, you know, whatever the national media can make fun of him. I don't really give a shit. It is so refreshing to have some true accountability and some actual leadership in charge because Matt Patricia was so not either of those. Hey, I don't know if you know, but I actually called the greatest play in the history of football in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. So, get off me. I'm actually great. F you, dude. Gosh. Ridiculous, man. So, that is beyond refreshing and uh, is definitely something that I'm uh, looking forward to and looking forward to keep. Uh, looking forward to keep. I seriously can't speak. I'm looking forward um, to to the how do I what am I even trying to say right now? I'm looking forward to the continual growth of that. I'm looking forward to to being able to to continue watching um, that happen because we've honestly probably never had it in my lifetime. It's so nice. It's so nice to have have that kind of a leadership up top um the other thing was uh Holmes talked about the quarterback position and said that there was a lot of I think he said colorful options which is like a weird way to describe a quarterback draft room but uh, like sure man I guess um this is just fueling the fire of of Lions fans everywhere of like hey man uh what the hell are we going to do at seven? Are we trading back and still taking a quarterback? Are we trading back and taking defense? Are we staying pat and taking defense? Are we standing pat and trading a quarterback? Are we trading up and taking a quarterback? Oh, it's going to be a hell of a month, hell of a month and a half from, from now until the NFL draft, man. It's going to be a hell of a draft. For those that are interested in great mock drafts and, and mock coverage like that, the, the Back Judge podcast, which I talked about here quite often, um, they do a fantastic job every draft season. They have cool mock drafts. They, they have a, they have a room of about four, uh, four or five people, um, that usually come on as guests and they, and they each pick a couple of teams and do a real like draft and, and stuff like that. So you get, you get three, two to three mock drafts from them every, uh, every draft season. And it's always super cool and interesting coverage. And, and they analyze and debate their picks and everything. So great coverage over there. Go check out the back judge podcast. Um, but it, it, back to the lines, man, it's, it's really interesting to see what we're going to do. Um, I think that one of the reports is that the only reason that Brad Holmes is talking so highly about all the quarterbacks is because he's trying to bait a team at the back of the draft to overpay for seven so that he can move back 
and either take defense or still get his QB that he wants. It's, you know what, that's an IQ a billion move. I have a hard time even comprehending how that would work. Like, I, I understand the, the, you know, I understand GM speak. I understand, like, oh, we're just going to talk really highly of this guy so that the asking price goes up. But holy cow, man, if, if he can the, – the consensus is the Rams slightly overpaid for Stafford. Um, but, like, if, if he can get somebody to over – like, I don't know, man. We're, we're getting close to just having to put a Brad Holmes statue outside of Ford Field already. If he can, if he can get someone to overpay at seven, like the Niners, right? We talked about that in the last one, Mel Kiper. If we can get someone just like five or six picks behind us to overpay, and then still get our guy, can't be mad at that, baby. Can't be mad at that. So as we get closer to the draft, we will keep going. I feel like I said at the end of every line segment. As we get closer, we're gonna dive more in depth. We, we end up just diving more in depth every episode. So I guess I should stop saying that. But um, draft season is getting close to, closer. Closer. Really? 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 La, 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 la. Learn how to speak. Jeez, what is up today, man? I have never had so many problems just trying to talk in my life. Gosh. All right. That's going to do it for the Detroit Football Lions, which means that'll do it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it so much. The support I continue to get is unbelievable. Um, I, it really means the world. And like I say at the end of all these, it, it's opened a lot of doors that I don't think I would have had uh, before I started doing this. So thank you so much for listening. Continue listening. Continue leaving reviews or whatever if you're listening on Apple, um, even if they're bad. You know, then I know what to be better at. So I'll take it. You know what I mean? Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Um, 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 I think that's it, man. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. Uh, apparently, I'm doing like a rock and roll thing with my hands right now. I'm not really sure what I'm doing.